see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. <laughs> yeah, guy. What's go- up, bro? Keep going. As long as you can. <laughs> oh, so killer. Uh, did you skip math? Of course, bro. I'm homeschooled. <laughs> Classic. Spit. Or spitball. Deadly yes, scales. Scott Bass. And it is... A Tuesday, February 19th, the day after President's Day. And welcome, David Lee Scales. Thank you very kindly, Scott Bass. Great to see you once again. You're all bundled up, looking cozy this morning. It's cold. It is a little chilly. surprised you're not in your neat essentials puffy. I've got it right here. Right. Taking a break. Got overheated on the drive. Right. So, dude. Yeah. Hot Tesla talk. What did you want to tell me? Oh, I was just... You know, as we sit here at the shack parking lot recording another episode, I was thinking to myself, and then I said out loud, David, you need a Tesla, dude. I could see you in a Tesla because you've kind of got this like millennial vibe. You've kind of got this. Um, you're, if there was a Silicon Valley in Huntington Beach, you would be the guy who lived there. <laughs> you know what There's I'm one in Venice. It's there kind of is. Silicon I, Beach is what I they call it. I can see you like living in Venice That's crazy. next to... Venice adjacent the inertia yeah exactly so I'm mildly insulted but carry on but anyway I could see you in a Tesla I could see you driving one of those cool Teslas and so I randomly was walking through a mall last week and I came upon a Tesla store much like an Apple store it's very wide open a lot of open space a lot of incredible graphics and fonts and just very very Silicon Valley ish if there's such a just mod totally mod clean um, you know and they had three cars and you walk into the tesla store have you ever been to one no so you walk in and there's a greeter and he's like hi welcome to the tesla store what can i help you with just like you'd be at apple you right. know what i mean like in an apple store and i'm like uh, i'm just looking around you know like, yeah like i was like paranoid that i was going to get the normal car dealership trip you know which is the worst it's the worst because i've been dealing with that too by the way oh have you but anyway um they uh the guy just like takes you to a seat, sits you down and goes, you know, let's let's build you up a car for the fun of it, you know? And anyway, I could see you in one of those Teslas. I would like to get one, frankly. They're pretty rad. And I think the cheaper one, the C class or something, is like after rebates and all that, it's like forty two grand or something like that. That's shockingly reasonable. I think it's like 56, but then they con you into all of these right. like tax write-offs that you're going to get maybe, yeah, but yeah. you never really see them. But... Or you have to actually follow through to get them. Right, exactly. But, I mean, 40... Am I still, am I still going here? You're still on. Okay. Um, 40-something thousand sounds like a lot of money, but go look at new cars nowadays. Everything's 40,000. Like, it, cars are expensive. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you want to buy something brand new, Shoot obviously. the Tesla, there's no, there's no fuel, right? It's all batteries. The entire thing battery. Yeah. So you just plug in. Awesome. I thought you were the expert. Why are you asking me? Well, I'm just borderline. I'm like, yeah. like everything on this show. I just know like sort of top level stuff. I never get too deep into it is, research. There's no uh, gas. But 
have you seen that dude? There's a guy who has a YouTube channel who rebuilds Teslas. Like he'll he'll get Tesla. He knows how to build a Tesla from the ground up, all the computer components and everything. So he'll go get one, salvage, for nothing, and then he'll rebuild it himself. And all in, he'll be ten thousand bucks into this thing, and it looks it operates like new basically and tesla doesn't support him and they don't get behind it at all because obviously for a lot of reasons but it's fascinating that he's been able to do it on his own you know yeah that is and then he'll just resell it for 15 or 20 grand or whatever good for him i know people are smart i don't know if that's the way i would go i would want to buy i want the full tesla experience you know like yeah it's part of it you know what i mean i don't like buying new cars though i always buy like two or three years old how about one year old is that a good That's move? fine, too. That's also that's what I'm going move. through right now. Yeah. What are you going to get? Can you say? Well, my lease is up on my truck, so I was looking at getting another Ford truck. Oh, know? okay. I thought that thing was brand new. It's weird. It's 2016. Been... Oh, wow. It feels brand new. It's a killer it, truck. Yeah, it is. So I was looking at getting into like a 2018 or a 2019, and of course, I saw this advertisement for $300 a month for a 2018, and I'm like, oh, that's me. And then... After I left the place, it ended up my payment was like four ninety or something. I'm like, what? Yeah. What I happened mean, to three ninety two ninety nine? It's the way it always works. I know the old bait and switch. So for the first time in my life, I walked away from a deal. I'm like, you know what? Good. I'm gonna pass. Good. And I walked away from a President's Day deal, and the guy's like, I've never seen this many rebates on an F one fifty. This was, and it was actually a really good price, but I just it wasn't the number I was looking for. I didn't want that monthly number. I wanted less. Yeah. You know. Stick to your number. Here's what I did when I bought this car. It was like three or four years ago. I wasn't in a rush. I knew what I wanted and I was going to buy two year, two or three years old, whatever it was limited. I wanted a limited number of miles. I wanted a certain price. I wanted a certain color make and model. And I just waited it out. And with the internet, you can do that now. And I told all the local dealerships, you know, who own multiple dealerships across whatever the country just said, Hey, this is the car I want. If it comes into inventory somewhere around in your you know sphere of influence let me know and it ended up coming available three months into my search in phoenix arizona but i bought a plane one-way plane ticket out there bought it in like 30 minutes because we had already done the deal over the phone and over the internet and did the deal in 30 minutes drove the car home i was home it was like a six-hour ordeal in terms of flying out there doing the paperwork and getting home it's i was home fun driving hours. home right you get to super your fun new, your new car and you got yeah. to feel it all out. but it was just i'm here's my number Take it or leave it. And then you get all these different dealerships vying against each other to get you what you want. But if you're in a hu- in a hurry. I'm no, I'm in no hurry. Yeah, exactly. I, got three, I have three months left on my lease payments. There you go. That was part of my problem. I was negative equity on my lease payments. I'm like, man, just if I'm going to have to pay this, I'll just wait. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's uh, valuable information for any listeners right now who well, are by looking the way, to buy a car. This show is called <laughs> Spit. And we do surf talk. I would love to get a Tesla, though, dude. I mean, like, I, could see you. I don't know that it's even in, I don't need a car, and so I haven't even thought about what that next move would be. But when the time comes. The Chop Hop is begging for I'd a Tesla. It. I can see it. It's yeah. just like, it needs a Tesla, the it Chop Hop. Well, the, I need that extra headroom, you know, for well, the Chop Hop. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Does it have a moonroof? We'll get you one. Let the Chop Hop fly. Chop Hop roof, we'll call it. Well, I might. Sometimes I get in the car with a wet Chop Hop, and I need it to dry off. So that's where the moonroof comes in handy. Yeah, that sounds blasphemous in some way. Yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) Well, David, I've got a pretty hot take from a listener I want to read. Great. Why do I feel like I'm going to be the villain? You're not. I know you never read the ones that (laughs) (laughs) vilify you. Uh, 
This is from one of our listeners, David. He says, I've got something I think is going to be an unpopular take. Why is there a GoFundMe page for any surfer who ever experiences trouble? Every day while flipping through social media, there's more posts about some ripper who has been injured and they need help from all of us. I'm not wishing hardship on anybody, but I can't be the only one irked by this. Get screwed over at Pipeline? Better get that GoFundMe money to pay for a recovery than use some of your own money to get out to Cloud Break or a day at the Surf Ranch, which would run me, by the way, 50000 I don't know why I'm surprised, but surfers are the worst. And that's from a listener. P-R-N. I'm not even going to... No, no, he, no, no, no. I don't know if don't, he wants me to Don't put him on blast. Huh. Um, what's your it's take? A, it's a great take. I've And he's not it's the only one question. I've heard this from. Yeah. And I often see this, like... Why do you need a GoFundMe page? Like, you know, yeah. like, because my favorite burritos. No, it's never a burrito. It's never a burrito related GoFundMe. Well, the so what's your is, thought, though? My thought is, is it's a good take. And I, and you know, it's kind of like, I mean, I guess the old salty, you know, patriarch in me wants to say, hey, get injured, deal with it. You know, like, I'm not here to help you, you know, help yourself. You know, don't do it if you can't handle the consequences kind of thing. But that's 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 one side of how I see it. I don't fully see it that way. I also get it that there's people that do need help. Yeah. The problem is you don't know which is which. That's a good point. And that's where it's like, so I end up, I, I have no problem being, you know, helping out. Like yeah. I, I don't, but, but I do at some point kind of get like, okay, why is there a GoFundMe page so this guy's daughter can paint her like lemonade stand a certain color of red or whatever? You know, you're like, really? Yeah, so I don't think this is limited to the surf world. No. He's saying that surfers do it, and it's like, yeah, but not at a higher rate than the general public. I do think it's a little bit of a blight. I do think that um, it's an indictment of the our healthcare system too, though. You know, like a lot of hardworking people don't have proper health care. And then even if you do have insurance, you still pay out of pocket a tremendous amount of money and it's all overpriced anyways. I mean, my, my buddy keeps an invoice on his refrigerator from a surgery he had eight years ago because it's laughable, the itemization of it. You know, it's like a half a million or a quarter of a million dollar invoice that thankfully was covered by insurance, but it's like Tylenol, $13 a piece. You know, just ridiculously expensive. So it's understandable that people who are hardworking, covered people still end up in these financial binds. And that's where we kind of need to rally together as a community because it takes a village. I'm going with a lot of cliches today. Wow, you are. Um, So I think that that's part of it. The other detail, though, that is surf specific is that the industry isn't really fortified that well. It's not fortified for the long haul. There's a lot of undercapitalized businesses that don't pay photographers well enough. They don't pay the filmers well enough. And so those people are really just living out their passion project and then find themselves in these binds because inevitably something goes wrong, especially when you're traveling the world and the brands that might be sending them there or just kind of helping underwrite the trip aren't in a position to take care of them that way, you know, like a major corporation would. So I think the industry's to blame. I think the healthcare system's to blame. You bring up a good point, which is there are certain people that do need help. The problem is, is there's a lot of people that don't need help that use this as a method. And I, that's where we get into problems because 
now it, it's kind of like the person that's crying wolf or whatever. It's like, I want to help the person that does need the help, but totally. I can't differentiate between the two. And the person that doesn't need the help is actually really hurting the people that do need the help. Always. By throwing it out there that they need money when they probably don't. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. It is annoying, though, when you see those things pop up that you have to go through this vetting process now. Because it used to just, you could just uh, be sympathetic towards people's plight. And now it's like, no, 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 I got to vet out which ones I feel sympathy for and which ones I don't. It is pretty annoying. It's annoying. It's annoying. It's wrong. Yeah, geez. Um, Pat O'Connell is the new senior vice president of tours and... Tours and what? Something. Tours and something else. I forget what they called it. Dick Metz just pulled in. For, formerly, yeah, Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. We're waiting for the studio to open. The patriarch. Um, but, yeah, basically, it's the new job title for the commissioner of the tour. What are your thoughts on Pat O'Connell taking Kieran Perro's position? Um, more Pat, the better in my life. If I get to see Pat O'Connell's face every morning at the beginning of the thing, at the beginning of the contest... I am psyched. I think, you know, what are the qualifications for such a job? It's kind of hard to define. Can anybody do it better than Kieran did it? I don't know. Probably not. It seems by everybody's account that Kieran did a killer job. Um, Pat, I think, is as well qualified as Kieran in terms of like world tour background and certainly in terms of being on different sides of the industry. But he's freaking so likable too. Like I, I think he'll be an upgrade in terms of just like gregariousness and fun to be around you know yeah the one question i have is it seems like and i could be wrong but the commissioner generally in most sports is sort of a liaison between the league and the athletes okay and he bridges that gap and he's supposed to have a finger in both pots and supposed to have the concern of the athletes and bring the concerns of the athletes to the league and the league has its policies and the league takes the commissioner and uses the commissioner to explain the policies to the athletes. And because this was, and it seemed that way with Kieran, it seemed like Kieran was like a surfer surfer and he was more athlete than he was WSL. Completely. And, and I feel like we're moving a little bit more to the other side. I feel like the power has shifted to the WSL. If in fact, there is a need for a liaison between the athletes and the WSL. It seems like this is a hire by the WSL. It's a great hire. I agree with you. I love Pat O'Connell. I think he's fabulous. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. If I was to micromanage it or, or sort of just be hypersensitive, I would be concerned with perhaps down the road, I'm wondering if the athletes are going to get as much representation with Pat as they did with Kieran. That's my only thought on it. But other than that, more power to both sides here, Pat and the WSL. I think it's great. But you didn't, you, you noticed there wasn't a quote from any of the athletes in this. There wasn't like, you know, even somebody that's super pro WSL, like Steph Gilmore or whatever, going, hey, we're super stoked to have Pat. And maybe there was. Maybe I didn't read through the press release thoroughly, which could certainly be the case. But you know what I mean? Like, do, yeah. Do, but I mean, you, does that you and I ding a bell with you no, at all? No, not at all. Okay. I mean, we, just because you and I and people we know didn't reach out to athletes to get their comment on it, I don't think that that's No, I mean, the, in anything. the WSL's press release. You, yeah, you would have thought they would have said, hey, 
Maybe. Here's an athlete's take on Pat being the guy. Um, and maybe there was, because no. I know there was some takes. I guess what my question to you is, why do you feel like this is a move more towards, you know, less athlete, more surfer? I mean, I'm sorry, less athlete, more WSL kind because of. Because it was a WSL press release. It was a WSL hire. No, I all... thought you were saying that was in reference to Pat O'Connell and his role in the company. Like, if his yeah. role is to represent 50% athlete, 50% WSL interest, this is a shift more towards the WSL interest. Yeah. Why do you feel that Pat fits that bill? Like, I feel like Pat is equally as much surfer interested as Kieran, well, if not more even. It doesn't matter who it is. It's more that... that this changing of the roles title oh, this um okay. this hire was from the w it doesn't matter if it was pat or you or well, me the that WSL took the always job. is the one who does the hiring well i agree but it's you know it's the it's the fact that they changed the title there's no more commissioner yeah like that in itself kind of I'm like really okay they changed it to something else senior vice president of tours and whatever it is and then they kind of in quotes or in parentheses said this is basically the commissioner's role. We've just changed the title. Right. But the fact that there's no more commissioner. Head I don't know. I, tour, again, uh, okay. maybe I'm just being SVP hyper. Of- we don't know how it's going to play out. I'm not here to bash anyone. I'm just saying, let's keep an eye on how the athletes are represented on tour. Yeah. I think Pat's the perfect person to do what you're saying. Like, the change of the title... I don't. I think it actually broadens. Have you been getting new Hurley no, suits no, or something? No. no. <laughs> um, the the title change I feel like only broadens and actually specifies his focus. Like commissioner, what does that even mean? That's kind of a nebulous title. But senior vice president of tours and head of competition lets me, as the viewer, know exactly what he's in charge of. Commissioner is just. He could be anything, you know. Don't um, you know the commissioner from Batman? You know the commissioner, commissioner Gordon. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean the commissioner. But what did he do? Tell me right now what his job was. He was a liaison between the police department and the public. So this, okay, so you're right. Maybe this title, senior vice president of tour and head of competition, doesn't actually reference any representation of the athletes. Exactly. So maybe if the role, I mean, think did about the title it. change or did the role change? Both. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. I just feel like, and I don't think the athletes have ever been up underrepresented. If anything, the WSL has gone the other way and been really good about representing the needs of the athletes. Yeah. But it's quite clear who has the power in this situation. Like, if you were to look at other leagues like the NFL, well, there's a players association that has a ton of power. And they have to basically, you know, there's a collective bargaining agreement and they basically put their needs on the table and the owners put their needs on the table and through mediators they hash out their differences so that the owner the athletes can get pensions and blah 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 and all their needs taken care of and the WSL or the uh, NFL or whoever it is can make sure that their policies are implemented by their athletes and that they don't overstep their bounds and that there's drug policies and all of these things right that's and the commissioners in the middle mm-hmm. generally however I will say, just as in this case, the commissioner is always hired by the league. And there, and it's generally felt that the commissioner generally does the league's bidding. Yeah. And that's why they do need mediators in these things. Well, it seems like they're two different jobs. Like the senior vice president of tours and head of competition, the person who's 
kind of making the on-site calls for things, maybe that's not the person who should be representing the athletes. Yeah. I but, mean, they do decide if we run I mean, today or not, which the athletes want to have some sort of say in. Probably a lot of say. But in terms of representing the athletes' best interests, I don't know if that's even ever was the commissioner's job. I don't know if that no, was no, I agree. job. I, I, yeah, maybe Because they always right. had a surfer's rep. Like Ace Bucken was the surfer's right, rep the last right, couple of right, years. Right, right, It's an interesting move, though, for Pat O'Connell. I mean, when you think about his legacy at Hurley and just how great that team is... You know, not not just the surf team, but the internal team and everything. It's like leaving a family, dude. That's got to be a super difficult decision. And I don't even think he's leaving. I mean, those guys are all going to be close and tight and near him. And you know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's moving to France to take this role or anything. Yeah, that's true. He's going to be close to all those. He'll see those guys at the beach every day. And, okay. You know. That's, that's a good point. The one thing I do like, though, is... We talk about there not being enough salt water in the office at certain corporations and places. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love having Pat in the office at the WSL. Like, that I really feels like it is our brethren yes. who's out there who's going to be fighting for the right decisions to be made. Absolutely. You know, fighting for not calling off the Margaret River event. Pat O'Connell's a great hire. There's, yeah. You cannot argue. I'm, I mean, it's a no-brainer killer hire. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you, you almost feel like, Wow, it's too bad for Hurley. They lost Pat because Pat did such a great job there. Now, of course, Hurley's got a bunch of great guys in position to do all of that stuff, you know. And I think Hurley's general overall goal is we need to ensure that surfing is um, improved for posterity, that the tour is improved for posterity and all that sort of stuff. And so kind of letting one of our own go over there to help fortify that thing, I think, is a long long-sighted move you know yeah is long-sighted the right word (laughs) it is now another new word brought to you by spit we should have a sound drop (laughs) hey i got a funny pat o'connell story i think i've told you this before but when i first started doing internet radio before it was called podcasting we brought pat o'connell in to to pick fantasy surfer this is like right in the beginning 2005 right yeah it was 2005 or 2006 surfer magazine days yes surfer magazine we brought Pat O'Connell in. I brought Pat O'Connell in to, to pick his fantasy surfer team. And we did it by, have I told you this? No. We did it by, we had these like red beer cups set up with each surfer's face on, attached to a beer cup. And we had ping pong balls. And you had to stand back and you picked your team by throwing the ball That's amazing. into the cup, right? And we brought in two Playboy Playmates. Just like dressed to the nine, smoking hot Playboy playmates, and we brought in a monkey. <laughs> so we had a small. This is not for real. Absolutely, we had a small little monkey. <laughs> this is all my brain working here. We had a small little monkey, two smoking hot Playboy playmates who didn't even know what surfing was, and Pat O'Connell. And the thing was, everyone picks a team by throwing ping pong balls into the cups, and we're gonna see. Which team, or no, maybe we had Pat pick his team legitimately. And then and we had the, the monkey could be. Yeah, we had the monkey and the girls throw ping pong balls into the cups to pick their team. And then we'd see throughout the year whose team actually did better. And who won? Who do you think? The monkey. Chimichanga, el monkey. No way. Si, senor. For real. I can't remember. But it was funny. That is such crap. a letdown that you don't know the punchline to this I know, story. I know. Dude. I need to look into it. Classic. <laughs> I 
think it's one of those things. Just where we, commit to the monkey. Well, we rewind, commit to the show, say, but we didn't. Just say the monkey won. The monkey won. He doubled Pat's points. The um, monkey doubled Pat's points. Perfect. I'll cut it so it sounds seamless. Perfect. Now here's the question. Um, it was the muscle. I have it on video. This is what. That's I was, what I was going to ask. No, you. I have video. I have it on video. Because it doesn't work. I mean, it's kind of funny as an audio concept, oh, no, but it's way me. better we as were, a video. We concept. were pretty smart to where'd, video these. Where did you get the Playboy models? Some guy in the surfer office. This guy named Jake was like, he was a classic guy. He was just super connected to all these smoking hot chicks somehow. Yeah, and monkeys apparently. No, the monkeys. I just like started googling like you know who, how do you rent like animals for parties. You know. Yeah. There's this guy, yeah, I've got a little monkey. And he brought his monkey in. and That is amazing. It was That's super killer. And of course, the, the playmates just loved the cute little monkey. They were just, oh, you know. And yeah. It's just mental. So, dude, while that this might story. might be the highlight of my internet radio days at Surfer Magazine. And believe me, all the people at Surfer, like all the hoity-toity editorial types were just so bummed out. On the like, concept? Yeah, this isn't on brand at all, you know. Oh my gosh, it's so on brand for surfers, you know. Now, here's my question. I mean, it makes me happy and I want to laugh at the story, but there's a twinge of sadness because <laughs> you don't put that much creative energy into spit. I want you to be bringing monkey concepts to spit. All right. I, Come on, sorry, dude. man. You should be sorry. I'll try better. This is depressing. All right. Um, somebody, I used to, so by the oh. way, go ahead. I might have it with me, but I was just randomly listening to my phone the other day. The songs were ripping through on my phone. Yeah. And the original uh, intro music to the show came on. I thought it'd be fun to play it just to hear it. Well, is it Sal Humas Kayla? No. No, I'll try to bring it up okay. and see if you're interested in it. Um, or send it to me after and I'll just no, we drop it in. play it right now. Because people that hear it, that listen to the show, will be like, oh yeah, I love that. So, I'll one while you're... In relation to that, mm -hmm. um, I used to listen to your show. I'm sure we've talked about this, but I used to listen, listen for sure. Like the Sam, was it Sam George? Sam George. Yeah, Sam it? George and, and Chris Morrow. Helped it was a lot. really well produced. It was like an actual radio show. You well, know? some of them were radio shows, like in in San Diego. But it started out the progression, as I remember, it was Surfer Magazine kind of internet radio show. Then that went away, or maybe you left, and then it was on San Diego radio somewhere, like AM or something like that. Yeah. Then back on FM. the internet somewhere, and then the podcast thing became a thing. Yeah. But it was always kind of like, that Surfer version was the best one. It was like the most well-produced, obviously, because Surfer's probably funding it and well, yeah, buying the audio equipment. We spent like 20 grand and no way. so much money no in way. audio equipment. It was over the top. Because oh, I, had to have, I had to have callers, so we had to buy the switchboard. None of us knew how to use any of this. Right. We didn't have any engineers. We are like, plug this in here. I had this guy, Kevin McCormick, who was just brilliant like with like technical stuff. Yeah. And he figured out how to do it. Yeah. But we were all set up to have live callers. Yeah. And we would never get a caller. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I just bought an interface uh, a couple of weeks ago that has the ability to do that live call in and record oh, and all cool. that sort of stuff. So we can definitely incorporate that in the shows moving forward. Um, do you do you have some um, cool announcement you want to make? No. Hmm? No. Um, but that original show so i used to try to catch it but again because it jumped platforms it was hard to pin down yeah and it was before instagram where like you could advertise where the next version was going to be so it was like this real difficult thing to track 
but we talked about it on the air a few years ago and a listener sent us he had recorded for some reason he had recordings of all those old original shows and he sent them to us and i listened to one of them i don't know if it was the first show ever but i listened to some of those original ones and they were really well i've got a bunch of them yeah Go ahead. I'm Got just that trying, song? I don't know if I do or not. Okay. Well, like I said, we'll play it. Or what is the name and the title? Uh, that's just it. It's like it, on my playlist, it just randomly comes up. As, you don't know what the name and the title was? No, it was like uh, unknown. Uh, um, by the way, you asked me the other day, you sent me the uh, Joe Rogan and Sam Harris pod. Yeah. It was good. Did you I know. Did Sam you say, Harris is fabulous. Did you ask, or did you tell me to listen to it because they're talking about like... Communication with audience and how to monetize. And yeah, all that. yeah, a lot yeah, of that. But I then I thought you dig the the last two hours are really good too. Just yeah. told about meditation and all that other stuff that he yeah. talked about. They just need to tighten up their act. I, I mean, as like guys, you and I who are going thirty minutes deep without talking about surfing, but like they just it go. It doesn't need to be three hours. It needs to be less Joe Rogan. I agree completely, dude. And that Joe could be the case with the with us too. Like there's like some people could be like, you know what, you're. Stupid podcast needs to be less Scott Bass and more of your list. Guaranteed, your, we yeah. have b- both versions, you know? Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. Joe, I feel like, needs to get out of the way of his guests more often than not. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, he does, he certainly adds to the show, but I feel like if they could, if he had a really good producer who could keep it at a tight one hour or 90 minutes, and the reduction of that time is really just eliminating Joe's ramblings because joe's got good flavor and he's um tees up topics but he needs to just kind of get out of the way a lot of the times he does sam is way more interesting than joe is yeah all right scott well since we didn't find that by the way we should give a shout out it's not the top of the show but need essentials need and uh spy optics sent you your new snowboard those are so killer i told him i go hey dude scott's out of town already but just send him whatever pair of goggles you want out of, off your guys out of your uh, snow goggle portfolio, They're and so I think killer. they sent you the best ones. They're super killer. Yeah, they're just deluxe Spy Optic. Like they did send me the best ones. They did. Yeah. So thank you to Spy Optic, and believe me, we were seeing happily. By the way, the waves have been crappy here so in California, crappy. but I'll tell you what hasn't been crappy is the snow. I mean, it's a snowboarder's dream, especially this month of February. It's just been nonstop. Yeah. And we're getting more tomorrow. The yeah. next, like, it's mental how good the snow is. So if you need new goggles, yeah. trust me, the Spy Optic ones they just sent me. I wish I knew the name. I brand, think they were the, the Ace. Uh, the Ace? I made, think they, they were the Ace. They were, they're so good. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, and they, come, they came with, you know, low light and, you know, flat light and super sunny um, interchangeable lenses, too. Interchangeable happy lenses. Yeah. And when you do buy those, use the promo code podcast, and that supports us. So they can track that and see that you guys are actually um, engaged. And then also, in regard to the mountain, need yeah. essentials outerwear. Oh, yes. I've got, I've got not only the puffer, but the... Um, the snow shell that goes over the puffer and, oh. and the pants. Rob sent those to my son. Oh, he did? To Hank. Hank loves those. Yeah, they're the, really nice. The super killer shell. Yeah, really nice. Awesome. Well, thanks for that support, you guys. And uh, what else you got, Scott? Um, let's see. Well, we were talking about the rain. Sadly, somebody decided to ride their wave storm down a flooded water canal in Escondido in San Diego, and he died. He Are got on his kidding? wave storm during massive rain running down this canal. 
like massive quantities of flood water, just decided to go for it and fell off his board and died. Hit his head or drowned? I, they don't really know. They, they, they put it on. The, it was a big news story. You know, there was like local news yeah. showing the lifeguards launching a boat to go try to get the guy. Wow. But these flood canals, I mean, they have grates and they have drop-offs. And, like, when you get in one, if you don't know what's downstream and that water's going, you know, 50 miles an hour, good luck, man. You could just come go 50 miles an hour straight into a metal grate. Yeah. And drop the drop-offs, it's all hard concrete. There's no, super no give. And, and you got to be kind of dumb to do that. Right? Are you kidding? Is that a Dar- Darwin Award winner? Absolutely. But and sadly, not, the guy died. So not, I don't want to make fun of him. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Although he wouldn't know. Um, but no, I mean, you're first of all, you're going to get sick. You're either going to get hepatitis of some sort, but you could also, there's so much trash in there. There's got to be just like steel rebar and rocks and tree branches and stuff for you to hit. Snakes. So, yeah, it's a nightmare. Cows. I've seen, dude, I've seen snakes in the lineup at uppers. Oh, when yeah. The, when the river blows out and there are like trees sitting on the reef and stuff. Yeah, sycamore I've seen, trees. S- seen snakes out there. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. Dude. I told you the story the one time about the tree where we, I needed a trophy for the for the icons of foam. Okay. You didn't hear this? All of your stories start so good. <laughs> I know they end horribly. So sometimes ne- they don't end. So I needed I needed a trophy for the icons of foam tribute to the masters for the shape off we do at the boardroom show. And I'm like, I want something super killer. And so I called Rob Havasey, my friend, he's an artist up yeah, here yeah. in Costa Mesa. And I'm like, Rob, let's do something killer. And he's like, okay, okay. Rob's like, I got a killer idea. There's an old sycamore tree that's in the lineup, basically at, at uppers. Mm-hmm. It's like almost in the lineup at uppers. Everyone knows about everyone that surfs up there has to walk over this tree, and all the old time local guys put their bikes on it. You know, like let's go to uppers and cut a piece of that sycamore tree and build the trophy out of that. And I'm like, killer idea. Let's do that. And then I told, and then he's like, let's get it. Let's like. Let's get a film crew to 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 film us doing this. And so I called Cyrus Sutton, and I'm like, Cyrus, we've got this idea. And he's like, Let's do it. It'll be cool for Corduroy TV. And so, like, he filmed me going to Home Depot and buying a chainsaw. And we had to pick the right morning because we're like, Holy shit! If we go into uppers with a chainsaw and start cutting a tree, we're gonna get in trouble, you know? Yeah. And so then the thought was, Why don't we just tell the lifeguards that we're gonna do it? Hmm. So. We contacted Steve Long, who's Greg Long's dad, who's the head lifeguard at, at Trestles. And he we're, acquired a monkey. And we're like, <laughs> we're like, Steve, we want a monkey to cut this tree. And Steve's like, you know what? I think this is super cool. You know, you didn't hear it from me, blah, 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 but let's do it. So we wow. met Steve and Steve drove us in to like look around for maybe another tree that was even better. Yeah. He drove us all around all the back like roads of trestles where you see all those roads yeah, when yeah. you're walking in and we finally go this is our tree it's the we want the tree that everyone you have to it was in the sand we had to get a shovel and dig it out and we did all this drama we cut the piece of sycamore we loaded it into the lifeguard truck he drove us you know down there by lowers like where you enter to go for the contest you know for the and and it was killer, man. It was just killer meeting Steve Long and just we had so much fun and Cyrus videoed the whole thing. It was like the making of the trophy, you know. Is the video out there? It, I think we so it ends up bad. So oh, no. So it ends up not bad, but just kind of like classic, right? So it ends up that um Sycamore is one of these woods that the 
a wood maker or a cabinet guy would tell you, oh, we call it a moving wood, which is sort of weird. Like, could be the name of a band, you know, moving wood. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so Steve goes, or no, so the wood maker guy goes, this wood just constantly moves. It constantly warps. Like, it's not going to ever be static. You know, like a certain type of wood, like a redwood or whatever. That's why there's it's no not a hard sycamore wood. art. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not a hardwood. It just moves, you know, like it's so I'm your so trophy's going to bend eventually over time you know it's going to warp when it dries out it's going to do this and if it gets moisture it's going to do that so we we really recommend that you don't build a trophy out of this wood you know and so i went and i told rob and rob's like oh that's a bummer you know like we went to all like i i spent a bunch of money just on a friggin chainsaw that i used once and threw away no way yeah and and so then rob's like well i want the wood and i'm like well i want the wood so it turned into this like kind of battle between rob and i he's like what was my idea and i'm like yeah but I paid for the chainsaw and it turned into this thing where Rob and I had like a mini falling out kind of like it wasn't bad, but it was kind of like, I was kind of like, all right, you can keep the wood, whatever. And then I was kind of a little bit butthurt about it. So were you guys, did you, uh, Oh yeah. No, no. We we, reconcile. Of course. It, It was a silly little thing to be. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. But the bummer was, is that the the whole corduroy TV thing never like, that never fleshed its way out. And I even, I think the beauty of the story is that there was a falling out and then there was reconciliation, you know, Dick Metz, look who's joining us, Dick Metz. Hey, Dick. We're recording our show right now. We want you to sing a song. <laughs> we'll, we'll come in if we need to get in there. Okay, well, you're Thank welcome. You. I, I opened it. Thanks, okay, buddy. Thanks. So, so it would have been cool to have, like, I mean, there was conflict there in a bunch of different places, so it would have made a cool little short, a right. little short film. And I think Cyrus, I know Cyrus probably still has that footage somewhere of us cutting the tree. And we made sure we picked, like, a miserable morning so there was no one around. Okay. Like, it was onshore two foot and gray and rainy you know what i mean yeah yeah it was epic that is epic dude speaking of epic this i've had two good stories and we've done less surf talk but this is probably going to be the best episode that people man i've got some stories no kidding um well in relation to pat and the wsl yes um are we still on that story no i was in the rain off okay 
WSL signs a deal with Fox Sports. Oh, by the way, yeah. That's by the way, I think Elo has his fingers on all of this, and I salute him. Oh, really? Yeah, the Fox Sports thing is for sure got to be an Elo thing because I texted him. I'm like, dude, congratulations, and he's like, thanks, man. I'm, I'm stoked. Everything's coming together, and and he's even like, we may be ready to do a podcast with you. So, I was gonna say it's. Uh, I've seen his thumbprint in the last two or three weeks. You can see a visible change in the direction of the content. But he isn't in the forefront of it, which I think is no, cool. No, he isn't at all. You know what I mean? Like, just, you wouldn't even know. His name isn't even mentioned in the press releases, no. but I'm sure that he's every reason why this is oh, yeah. happening. You could see, like, I'll name the ones right off the top of my head. Pat O'Connell. Well, the, I think the that's bringing WSL, salt into the office. The, I think that was a move to bring salt into the office. Totally. I think a lot of people told him that needs to be done, including people in the office, like Dave and probably Absolutely. Graham. Absolutely. And yeah. then the athletes at the Clippers game, sitting courtside at the Clippers game. Oh, for Garens, Ball Barons. Yeah, that's yeah, like, <laughs> Elo for sure has all the... He's used to living that lifestyle Absolutely. where it's like you're entertaining clients yeah. at the box. So it's like, oh, why not bring... These young kids, it was Tatiana Weston Webb, Griffin, uh, Kanoa, you know, Perfect. come and throw some shots at halftime and all that sort of stuff. Make it more, not only give these guys a little bit of um, love, like they would enjoy doing it, but also put them in the middle of the limelight. Absolutely. You know? So the whole world knows who these guys are. Absolutely. And girls. Um, they're doing this recur this series on social media about like highlighting their own photographers, like their staff photographers whose names I've seen my entire life and I couldn't pick them out of a lineup if I saw their face. They're doing profiles on those people, you know, like here's top 10 moment, moments from this photographer. Right. Um, little stuff like that, just kind of corrections in the content, Yeah. which I think are really smart. But anyways. There might be monkey and playmates going down too with, with the WSL. They're clearly taking your ideas from all the in <laughs> all these other directions. But anyways, February 12th, Fox Sports and the World Surf League announced that they have reached an agreement making Fox Sports the exclusive U.S. television broadcaster for the WSL 2019 CT events, as well as the Big Wave World Tour. Fox will telecast more than 500 hours of WSL programming, including live contents and highlight shows uh, across Fox and then all the other FS1, FS2, Fox Sports app. Super so, good. 500 hours, though. So that's like three contests, basically, they're going to show. Oh, they'll, it'll, be, it'll be all cleaned up, <laughs> yeah, edited I know, down. I know, I know. But that's how much time it takes to watch a contest. ELO, making it happening. It's kind of killer, yeah. behind the scenes. Um, so you see the Fox thing as a good thing? Anytime you can get your, your audience. sport on a TV platform... Or wherever you, I mean, just the, the more you can promote it and get get it visible, the better, right? Um, what the weird thing is, we're one year one year ago we were announcing the Facebook deal that was a two year deal for exclusive rights. What happened to that? So within one year, I mean, I don't know. And obviously, the launch. Who's went to sideways, say that still doesn't exist? Because I think it was exclusive. I'm sure they went in there and massaged the contract and massaged the wording and maybe you know. Hmm. suited up lawyered up and showed up and they all kind of went okay we'll massage it for you i don't know Who as, knows? as an adult i've realized contracts don't work the way i thought that contracts do when i was a kid especially sports contracts i thought that it was <laughs> definitive cut and dried i thought it was like here's a contract sign your name and this is like set in it stone. is until you've you change know, your mind yeah get into a lawsuit about it <laughs> i didn't know that we were even able to be massaged yeah massage is a kind word 
but who knows? I, I'm not. I, I mean, we don't know the Facebook thing. I, I would suggest to you the Facebook thing's probably still going, and it's probably a different. You know, it's a digital thing, and Fox is a TV cable deal, and not even though. I mean, they have an app, and they have. Yeah. You know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Local surfing and commercial. Okay, so Chris Brown had his paddle out mm-hmm. Saturday up in Santa Barbara. It was huge. Did you go? I was up there. Or no, I was up there Sunday. I wasn't up there Saturday. But I saw it on the news when I was up there on Sunday. It was on the news, and um, it was a big deal. And lot, up there in Santa Barbara, I mean, when I say this, up there is Santa Barbara. It was, uh, it was you know, it's funny when you're in the community, you realize how how deeply loved the guy was. You know what I mean? When you're kind of removed from it, you're just, you know, maybe not as close to the power involved. But um, it was pretty powerful. The paddle out that I saw in the news up there and that I heard when I was meeting with a bunch of surfers up there and I heard all about it. And a lot of people, a lot of people from down here, of course, went because Chris was, was, you know, sort of a part of the surf media and that he was a talent, you know, and everyone knew him. So it was, um, it's a sad situation. I still don't know exactly how he died. Um, it was drug related. Really? Yeah. The coroner's report or whatever came out and he had methamphetamine in his system oh. and he apparently seems like he fell off the cliff and was it a cliff or was it like a i heard it might have been like a jetty or an outcropping or something i don't know i i because he fell and broke his back right was it a back break i, I don't know i mean they found him at the bottom of the cliff in street clothes um and i think he was yeah i don't want to yeah, we don't I know. read I read the details. Right. I didn't commit them to memory. Right. But methamphetamine in his system was the mm, culprit. That, that's too bad. That's I know. No, bad. it's it's horrifying, dude. It's a tough deal. And it kind of brings to light something that I spoke with Damien Hobgood about. And I think you and I talked about it, but this whole concept of midlife crisis when you're a pro surfer and instead of it being at 50, it's at 30. You know, like a lot of these guys, I mean, we talked about that last time I think you and I were on the show. Did we? Yeah, midlife crisis. I think it's something that, <laughs> which is, explains your chop. <laughs> I was going to say, is and it your directed at me somehow? Were we talking about me? <laughs> no. Anyway, this concept of of a midlife crisis for pro surfers, like what what's act two well, basically? What's act two? Shifting your identity completely. Yeah. Like this one thing that you've chased your entire life, and then who are you after that? Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of drama, a lot of psychology. It goes with, you know, like there's some, it's, it's, it can be a scary place, I bet. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that, um, I don't know, resonated with me with the Chris Brown thing is like you, you and I on the public side of it, not really knowing any of his close friends had no idea what he was going through. And apparently he was struggling, you know, depression or whatever it was. And he was struggling and it makes me kind of reassess the people around me and like, shoot, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a few months. I wonder what they're up to, you know? And, like, I know that there's external factors in their life that could project them into depression, but I think that they're strong, and I think that they're not bothered by it, but I should probably just check in with them and, and see what, what they're up to. You know? Well, you know, now more than ever with, with pro surfing being as strong as it's ever been, and we were talking earlier about the NFL, and what a lot of what the NFL and the and the NFL Players Association will do is when they get rookies in, they'll be like, hey, guess what? This career lasts three years yeah. if you're lucky. You know, if it lasts five years, we're going to give you full pen. You know, you're going to get all the bennies of a of a full-time 
you know, participant or employee or whatever. But my point is, is that that doesn't really happen in, in some of these smaller sports. And so a young kid gets famous. He's 12 years old. He's an Instagram hero. Until he's 25, he's like, people are kissing his ass. And then maybe he doesn't make it or he does one year on tour and he falls off tour and holy shit, and no one gives a shit about him. All the people that were kissing his ass are like, whatever, good mm-hmm. luck, you know? And that's where there's some of this depression, I think. That's where there's this midlife crisis. But when you're 25, yeah. and so that could be a thing that the WSL addresses, perhaps. Yeah. You know, like this is where you need like an athlete liaison to kind of go, hey, I want you guys to realize what this thing's all really about, you know, yeah. like you're going to go try to get a world title. If you don't, you better have a backup plan or you should think of, you know, like just like the basics of life planning that sometimes young guys don't get young gals, young guys and gals don't get. I do feel like it's an identity, like you're having to shift your identity and the guys who have the people who have, um, kind of transitioned successfully aren't just wrapped up in a surfer identity. You know, like you look at somebody like John, 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 John's sailing. He's doing all these other things. Kelly Slater seems to have all Those these aren't other good interests. examples, though. They're I'm not. talking about, like, fringe guys. Those are the guys, like, B, no, B, I, no, B players. Like, Kelly and John John are set for life. They're not going to be concerned about the financial constraints after their pro career. What I'm saying is that they have diversified interests, and they're not just surfers. Like, if you asked them, they would probably express all these different facets of their life that they're interested in, you know? Whereas the guys, maybe the fringe players have to be more surf focused because they don't have the natural talent or the industry support to go and explore their interests. They have to just solely do this one thing. But I think that's where, you know, either parenting or whatever, like you need a more balanced lifestyle to not have all your eggs in that one basket. I just had, I interviewed um, Josh Kerr He's successfully transitioned all of those things, you know, and it's like he's living a better life now than he was when he was on tour. And it's like he's got all these eggs in different baskets. He's got some investments over here, some over there, some over there. He's actively raising his kids. His and he's wife's always involved with and, all he, of it. and he's always been. I mean, he had an air thing. Then version two was on the WSL. Then version three was he was attacking the big wave world tour. Version four is he's like a restaurateur and an entrepreneur on some level with beer companies or whatever. And he was doing doing those things all the while he was on tour too. So, I mean, he's a great example of the way to do it for sure. Like you would want to point to him. But I'm thinking of guys like, I don't know, you know, like there's... Oh, I know who you're... Yeah. There's a bunch of like B players that could maybe make the WSL for a year or two and linger around 25th or 30th and drop off and be like, holy shit, what do I do? In that time, they do make a few hundred thousand bucks. And it's kind of like, maybe, depending on who it is. But let's say they do. Let's say in that amount of time that they're on tour for three or four years, they've got half a million bucks to show for it. That money can go quick. For Garand. You know? And it's like, yeah. And if you think that you're going to be doing it for 10 years, kind of with the lack of awareness that you're talking about, where it's like, no, 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 this is for three years and it's got to last you from this point on. So. It's more about what are you going to, what kind of, what's your employment going to look like? Yeah. I think that's where the depression comes in. Yeah. And the lack of fame all of a sudden you're nobody cares anymore. Nobody cares, yeah. you know. I mean there's I could throw some names out. I don't want to but no, no, but, no. but my point is is that it's those B minus players that you're like, yeah, they're great surfers. Guess what? There's a million great surfers, you yeah. know. Yeah. 
Are you in the top 10? Have you been in the top 10 for five years? Well, you know, you better wax up your 9.6 and hope for the big way world tour <laughs> or something. Cause... As if that's like an easy transition. <laughs> oh, like I got no other options. I'll just go surf 40, 40 foot waves. But you've really touched on what's most important is that you have to have a, a, some level of serenity in your life that's that's created and manifest um, beyond like your your self-identity in the public space. You know, you have yeah. to have some sort of either faith or um, great parenting or whatever it is and, and other outside ancillary interests. Yeah. Uh, relationships, you know, like long-term relationships in your friend group. And I feel like Matt Miola is a guy who's like, he's also a fisherman and he also hunts and he also has this community of people on this small island and he's got his parent, his family life and all. And so it's almost like the pro surfing thing can come and it can go and you want to leverage it when it's there. But if it doesn't pan out, your life's not over. You know, you mentioned Matt Miola and it got me thinking about it. I think it's easier to kind of transition if you live in Hawaii. Like, I I think it's easier to just kind of like, yeah, just, you know, I'm just going to like be a part of the surf community. You're still a part of the surf community. Whereas like in Santa Barbara, you transition off the tour and you're in California and it's like you're just with you know 20 million people instead of like yeah. this little niche community on Maui that's like hey yeah I'll start a yoga thing and people will, you know I don't know whatever but you know. but I think it is to do with identity still because his identity is Maui Maui is right. my identity this exactly. is my family this is my home so right. you still have the identity you never let it get too wrapped up in just being a pro surfer you know agreed so um I'm glad we're solving everybody's. Uh, I know. Thank all God these crises, for us. Crises that people you think we encounter. Just, we give people free life advice. It's amazing. It is pretty amazing. You're so welcome. We, you'd have to pay like 150 bucks an hour in therapy for this. We take Bitcoin. A little bit of Bitcoin. Uh, what else do you got? I've been bringing all the stories, bro. John, are you prepared? I'm prepared. Okay. Um, did you see I'm John John? Kidding. Did you see John John's clip? Which one? Instagram clip. Uh, with the knee brace? No, dude. So John John's back is my title for this segment. Okay. Um, obviously he was injured last year. Oh, a couple of things. I saw Ross Williams' name on the announcer list too for the WSL. So I'm wondering if John John's coming back from injury. Wondering if Ross is stepping down from being the coach and back into the commentary booth. I love having having him as a commentator on the WSL. So that's great. But I'm also wondering what's going on behind the scenes with John John. Anyways, John John's clip surfing like, you know, uh, Ayukai Beach Park, like double overhead or whatever. Oh, I saw that. That freaking blown out kind of like. No, it was a clean day. Oh. Clean offshore, but double overhead and just absolutely looking like the old John John, but with a knee brace. Like the knee brace is there and you're like, oh, shoot, maybe you shouldn't be out there. But flaring. Flaring with a knee brace. Flaring. In a way that makes me very, very optimistic for the return of John John. Okay. How did he hurt his knee? It's that same old injury? That the, ba- the Bali yeah. air that he did at Karamas last year. Right. Sidelined him. So he's going do you remember knee- that? Of course I do. Are you kidding? Okay. No. Do you remember that John John didn't defend his potential third world or didn't defend his second world title? I interviewed a guy recently for the Boardroom Podcast and I asked him something about like who's, who's the greatest surfer this year or whatever. And he goes, John John, did you listen no. to this? He goes, John John Florence was the last year's greatest surfer. And I go, really? He didn't even surf on tour. And he goes, that's why. Look what he did. 
He went sailing around the world. He paddled Molokai. He like, you know, probably cl- he probably climbed, you know, some mountain in the Himalayas. Like he just did all of this other stuff, which makes him the greatest surfer this year. And he I out- thought that was a pretty good take. He out earned everybody else as well by not surfing. Yeah, I mean the fact that he just did all this other cool stuff, and you're everyone was kind of wondering where he is. Yeah, yeah. kind of made him the greatest surfer of 2018. And not Instagramming along the way either. Yeah, you know, I mean, like one Instagram every three or four months. There's a recent Instagram because they had some really bad winds about two weeks ago. Like the weather in Hawaii has been atrocious. Well, dude, how about that swell they got? They got the biggest like, waves ever. Biggest right? waves ever. Yeah, but obviously like Third bad Reef, Waimea. Yeah, like. 30 knot onshore yeah. hell. Yeah, yeah. A low pressure system just sat right off the coast and just spun like a mean. Just annihilated. Basically a hurricane force thing yeah. just right off the yeah. coast there. But one of those days, John John and Nathan, they're videoing each other like, should we do it? Should we not go out? Should we go out? And it was just barely borderline, but they kept seeing moments. Yeah. And they're like, hell, we haven't surfed in four days. Let's go. And they filmed it. And it's John John and Nathan and one of their buddies. And they're getting little shacks and doing killer little carves. And it was like, you know, 45-second clip. Yeah, no, I saw that one, too. I like that one, too. It was like a double-up right. Yeah, like double-up gums or something. Triple-double. Like tripled-up, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Uh, But I'm psyched for the return of John John. And I'm actually... It's been the longest off-season ever, I feel. Like, since the Pipe Masters and and the next event doesn't start for another month, like six weeks. And the Vulcan Pipe Pro is sort of underwhelming a little bit. Was it? I mean, didn't you see it? Yeah, I watched it. I liked it, but I, I don't feel like it made a big media splash. The first splash. couple rounds were pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, the waves sucked, but it ended in good condition. It did end in good How waves. How psyched are you about Jock, Jack Robinson winning? Super psyched. So psyched. More than ever, we need a hashtag. Like, we got to come up with a hashtag to get him on tour. We need Jack on tour. I mean, Jack's surfing is so well suited for tour. And It's like having Zion Williamson, the Duke basketball player, available for the nba and not allowing him to play that's exactly what it's like thank you i knew you'd relate to that mainstream sport analogy do you uh, even know who zion williamson is no i don't no. i know where zion You're National like Park just is. complete like surf blinders on huh? like you no, i pay attention to lots of other things not ball sports though <laughs> you mean real sports i feel like you are <laughs> sports blinders on right. um you know who else deserves a shout out in that conversation? Actually, a couple of guys. Baron Mamiya finished second. Baron's yeah. the real deal, dude. Yeah, they all love him. He re- who do you mean they? I mean like the local community. You could tell that. But I mean, the, look the at the broadcasters him were no, for sure, for sure. I mean, he got that ten oh, point ride, absolutely. that like free fall drop at back. Oh, that door, was sick. That was sick. He stomped it with zero speed going into the barrel. That's what was so sick about it. Yeah. Like and then he, the thing rifled down the line, and he gets blown out, and you're like, what? he set his rail with no speed, and somehow got the speed going to get out of it. And then Reef Hazelwood. Hazelwood or Hazel? I think it's Hazel because it's H E A Z. Aussie guy, right? Yeah. He looks legit too. Yeah, you know, like I said, all of these guys. Let's just see what happens. Let, let, let me see that they're in the top 10 for three years in a row, and then I'll be like, okay, yeah, he's got it mentally. It's all about mental. See, you and I at agree. Least I it's take all the risk, mental. hundred percent, but at least I take the risk of putting my – I at least anoint one with something. Yeah, there's a used car lot filled with all your former there like, is. Carlos Munoz and – I don't know who else did you throw Matt in there? Banning. Matt Banning. Ethan what, Ewing. What, Ethan Ewing. <laughs> There's all these talk. These I are all the guys that are having that midlife crisis. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm hexing him. 
It is. Maybe it's my fault. It is your fault. No, but what I'm saying is at least I put an anointing on him. Like, you just sit here and go, oh, Kyleni is all I got all the time. Kyleni is the friggin' man. Exactly. Oh, it's the easiest bet in the world. No, you didn't didn't place that bet. You did. My my point is... You wouldn't back it. You wouldn't back Kyleni. Because it's too obvious. Oh, my God. Who's the guy that said... Kanoe Igarashi is going to be the world champion this year. Me, not you, all right? So I threw it out that there. That hasn't Mo. happened? Yeah, but the year hasn't happened okay, yet. Okay, that's I'm a good point. S- I'm saying it's going to happen. That was a big gamble for you. That was a big gamble. Uh, you're right. You're being so facetious. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying you're right. You did throw that one out there, and it's and a Kyle terrible Lee. decision. No, look, all my all, look, all your guys are having midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> my guys are making some dough. I need one unicorn. That's the thing. Right. My one guy is going to go from obscurity to like superstar. It'll probably be a girl. Like you, like Carolyn Marks. Hazelwood. I did, and I actually claimed that with Tatiana, and then she really wheels fell off in the last year or two. But I claimed it. I got, gave her the scales. Itis. Scaliosis. Um, so. I called it with PT. We did an episode with PT yeah. here at Shack. Yeah. And I was like, dude, Tatiana, when she qualifies, she's going to kill it. And you're like, who's that? And you're like, no chance. And PT backed me. PT's like, no, 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 for real, she's the real deal. And she hit the tour with a bit of force, but has kind of dropped off in the last year or so. Carolyn Marks is the real deal. For sure she is, dude. She's She's got it going on. She really does. I don't think I've ever seen any female a, a surfer that I can equate with her approach, her tenacity, her maybe like Chelsea Hedges when she first came on the scene, but she didn't didn't maintain it. Um, Caroline. We'll see if Caroline. So far, she's been bulletproof mentally, but we'll see what happens. She reminds me of Griffin Colapinto's mental, where they're like so jovial and fun-loving they seem oblivious to any of real life's yeah. um uh, the cynicism that you develop after a couple of years you know a couple of hard losses like that chloe andino deals with kind of on a regular like yeah. griffin has no idea he's just like no no no. i just show up and i do my thing and i feel like caroline's in that um kind of blissful phase you know i want to tell you that Chloe did a really good job in the booth. When? At the Vulcan Pipe Pro. Oh, I didn't catch they that. They brought him into the booth to, to to do commentary, and it was really good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. He's. I think he's a stupid. Good stories about him and his dad and about his just thoughts on the other guys, you know. And, of course, you know, he's, he's going to be a little bit, you know, he's going to walk that fine line and not go overboard with his criticism or whatever. But he had some pretty cool commentary. I thought cool. he was good in the booth. I think he's really astute. His dad was... A, I had his dad on the show a couple times, and he was good. When he was in the booth, he was he was too PT. He was like PT. He's like, it was just, it was ins- the- insincere. Oh, okay. His PT commentary. was insincere? No, PT was sincere, but it was just over the top. Like, I think over the top, like hyperbolic, you yeah. know, just like. Off the lip. Uh, yeah. He was like hardcore, like just like, take a breath. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was 30 years ago, by the way. Yeah. Have you seen this movie, Spoons? A Santa Barbara story? I've been wanting to, but no, I haven't. Well, it did a premiere in Santa Barbara last week, and I did not see it, but I've heard incredible things about it. Everybody I talked to said it was mind-blowingly killer. Really? Yeah. Uh, What is it about? It's basically centered around Santa Barbara and George Greeno and Reynolds Yeager and um, the spoon design and, and how it had an effect on... You know, probably Bob McTavish and what it what it did when George brought the spoon over to Australia, and how it sort of kicked off a 
a short board revolution, you know? How do you... Because um, George, George Greeno was just doing these insane turns and... Well, describe what a spoon design is. Well, it's complete displacement. It's just like a spoon. Like, take a spoon you're eating your yogurt with, turn it over, right? And just imagine that as the bottom of your board design. It just displaces water everywhere. So the convex is down. I don't know what convex is, but... The bottom of the spoon is the bottom of the board. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the bottom of the spoon. And the top of... Is the top of the deck scooped out? It can be. Not as much as a spoon for yogurt would be. Right. (laughs) And what is the benefit of the displacement? Well, that's a good question, right? Um, I'm not sure I'm... qualified to completely answer that but the the feeling is is that you can get deeper in the barrel because it's oh really it's it's like sucking you into the the wave face and the spoon are kind of like it's just pushing water away from you it's constantly pushing water away from um but again i I don't want to butcher this because i'm not the well no shaper and i don't want to butcher the concepts i'll give some basic info like Obviously, displacement hole, the board is sitting in the water like a boat is. Right. So, you're first of all, you're... Displacing water. S- displacing water, but also um, utilizing a different source of energy. You're kind of drawing energy from underneath the wave. Like when you see dolphins under the wave, you know, where they're not breaking the surface, you're drawing some of that energy as, a, as opposed to a planing hull, which right. is flat across the top of the surface, oh. that the goal is to kind of... Um, less wetted area the better like you're just gliding across you don't want any friction contact with water is friction Mm. and you want less of that whereas the displacement theory is you're sitting in the water using that undercurrent of energy to propel direction we're gonna get a lot of emails you don't think that's accurate (laughs) i do i didn't say that tell me no, I think you're right. Oh, okay. I think you're right. I think I mean I don't know if you're right, but it sounded good. I mean that's my understanding of the most basic fundamental of it. I think you're right. Though. But the Greeno versus Yader thing is those are such Greeno's writing small boards. The reason why he's able to do the radical turns that he was doing, I don't think were so much to do with the displacement. No. It was so much to do with the shortening of Yeah, and, and the back foot of those spoon knee boards was flat. Yeah. Like the spoon was up in the front. So there was this moment, a transition from that spoon bottom to a little flat area where his knees are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's this fine line in between where he's Got the spoon off the bottom, but he's also got the flat area where his knees are. Yeah. I've got a couple of cool Greeno-inspired spoons in the in the California Vintage Surf Auction. Greeno-inspired? Yeah. So who shaped them and what era? One of them was made by Paul Gross with George Greeno in probably 1970 or 69 or something. Okay. And the other one's same, like made in the Santa Barbara area up there in the wilderness shop. Um, guy's last name's Hawksworth. Hmm. They're cool boards. In fact, I got them in the car right now. I'm going to go shoot photos of them. Um, well, this segues to my must-see happy moment presented by Spy Optic. Use promo code podcast. Have you seen On the Edge of a Dream? No. Brand new film by Andrew Kidman mm-hmm. and Ellis Erickson. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're... Is that reggae Ellison? Mm-hmm. No. Reggae Ellis? Oh, so. I don't think All so. Right, I messed up. Uh, mix, maybe I don't mixing know. up my Australians. Um, so they basically are inspired by George Greeno's edge board design. 
Oh, cool. And we're seeing a lot of people utilizing the edge board design or experimenting with it now. Mm -hmm. Your buddy Mark Andrini, Manny Caro, and Christine Brailsford Caro, Rob Machado's doing a couple. I think Lovelace is doing them. Is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Lovelace is doing them. And I think, um, you know, who else is doing them is, oh, God, who's the big wave guy up in um, San Francisco? No, that's a brewer protege. Um, Big wave guy. Oh, it's, it'll come to me in a minute. Okay. Oh, uh, oh go ahead. I'll forget it. I um, can't remember. <laughs> so, Andrew Kidman, obviously. Lyle. Uh, Lyle Carlson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Andrew Kidman, important kind of filmmaker. And yeah. he's partnered with Cultural Ellis. Cultural prov- provocateur. Yeah. And Ellis is kind of this pro surfer who's transitioned kind of into shaping boards as well. And Kidman shapes boards also. And has always had like a real interest in design. So anyways, they got fascinated by this Greeno design five years ago, 2014. And they started documenting their experimentation with it, building boards, going and talking to George, George giving them feedback, adjust the fins here. And they've now, five years later, made a movie and a book about this. It's on the edge of a dream. It's really, really good. It's a documentary about what the edge does. And they do a really good job of detailing its implications for a single fin versus a twin fin versus a a thruster setup. Cool. And different lengths of boards. They show lots of surfing in different styles of waves. Tight shots zoomed in where you see water shearing off the bottom and then cut to they're both really articulate. Yeah. So then cut to them explaining like, hey, I felt water, you know, kind of like catching at the about one foot away from the nose. And then you see that footage and you could see the water not shearing off right there, you know. So then we went back into the shaping bay and we did this adjustment on the board. Now here's the that version of the board in the water and you see the difference. And it was like very logical, linear explanation of board design that I hadn't ever really seen in a documentary before, like a very thorough explanation of this design detail. Um, we've seen videos like five, five by 19 and a quarter where it's like, there's tons of footage of people surfing this board, but there isn't any narrative or explanation of why and how and what this, I felt like did a really good job of explaining Greeno's successes of it originally, why they got involved, all of the kind of evolution that they made over the course of five freaking years a lot of it comes down to fins and it's like we then built these fins but it was only built out of um fiberglass scraps or not fiberglass like resin scraps and it didn't have any structural integrity so it flexed sideways so we went back and laid up the fin so that it had torsional flex and here's how that it was just like wow fascinating that's cool i can't wait to see that on the edge of a dream that sounds killer. Yeah, book and DVD. Hopefully um, those guys can maybe make it to the boardroom show and bring a couple boards and some books. Or... I'm going to see them next month. I'm going to go visit them. Are you going over there or are they yeah, coming here? going to Australia. When are you going? March, oh, you don't March need... 6th. For what? Visla's, uh Sydney Pro Surf Comp. See if they're interested in coming over. For okay. I mean, if it organically pops up. Yeah, I will. Um, and then Parmenter's going. They... Parmenter is good friends with Kidman, yeah. and he's going to spend a month there, but I'm going to barely miss him. I would oh. love to get all of them on the mic, you know? Yeah. Shaper roundtable. Yeah. But Kidman can play music. I know. He plays... That's the other thing. His band plays music in the entire soundtrack of the film. That's such a smart move. It saves you so much headache as a filmmaker to have your own music. I mean, well, 
It's not only <laughs> you have to have the talent to do it. Firstly, it no, is no. a smart move. No, but just even if you don't have talent, <laughs> just do it. Make your own music for your films. All you budding filmmakers out there. The Windy Hills is the name of the band. Cool. Um, I've got a Duke Hanamoku. Me too. Who do you got? Tom Brady. Really? Yeah. From Why? the from the New England Cheatriots. Well, who is Tom Brady? He's the quarterback of the New England Cheatriots. Who are they? They're a football team. Oh, okay. They throw football. the ball, they got kick it, the ball, it, they try to get first downs. Oh! You may have heard of him. He's married to Kelly Slater's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> well stated. Yes, he is. So he and Kelly Slater's ex-girlfriend went on a honeymoon, or no, I mean a vacation. They're married. And uh, they went to Costa Rica, and there's footage of Tom Brady surfing. Yeah. And he's pulling it off. He actually looks like he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's a little kooky. Yeah. But that's to be expected. But... I mean, he paddles into waves on his own on a hard surfboard and stands up and does it. Yeah. And he's stoked. You can tell he's stoked. So along the same veins of when President Obama surfed, you know, I'm getting that same kind of vibe. Like He's been at it for years. Tom Brady's surfing. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is cool. Is he goofy or regular? He's regular, of it, but is of he? course. I thought he was goofy. No, no. Um, good. So he's your duke. He's my Duke Kahanamoku. Why adult, not celebrate... Vulnerable adult learner. Other, He's beyond that, though. He's not... By the way, this whole, like, hate on adult learners, is there, like, some... Like, there's it's some hate? It's just a joke. I mean, it's all in jest. Adult um, learners. Let them, let them experience what we've experienced. Why? Who are we to hold back the joy? Until they paddle out in your local lineup and clog I it. I don't care. Yeah, you do. I'd, I'd much rather have them than you paddle out or some, somebody that knows what they're doing. <laughs> um, so Surfers are the worst. This, by the way, is our surfers are the worst segment. So about adult learners, you know our buddy Tony Roberts down in Costa Rica? Oh, yeah. Nicaragua? Yeah. He told me years ago. You know Tim Ferriss? Yes. Tim Ferriss has a popular podcast. He's author of The 4-Hour Work Week, and his whole thing still is – but whole thing for years and what he wrote all those books about was kind of like getting the maximum amount of impact with a minimal amount of effort. So if you can organize your four-hour work week and just bang out max productivity, you have all this time. If you only need to do 12 push-ups instead of 50, but get the max, that's, you know, whatever. So, Explains the chop pop perfectly. Does it? Yeah. How so? Because if you only need to just have one hairdo and never need to wash it, you have more time to don't, read don't Tim Ferriss it. books. Exactly. So, <laughs> so Tony tells me, Tim comes down to Costa Rica one time years ago. This was like seven or 10 years ago or something. Comes down to Costa Rica to learn how to surf in two weeks. That's his goal. Killer. Brings Brad Gerlach as a coach. Killer. So Gers, obviously Gers like a great, great fundamentals guy, you know? Yeah. And just a great guy. Yeah. So, and Tony was there to like shoot photos of it the whole time. And he said... Tim's thought was like, I can become a really good surfer in two weeks because he actually learned how to tango and like learned at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, he was in the world tango like championships and finished third or something ridiculous, you know? So he's going to try to do that to surfing. He wasn't able to, is the long story short. Tony said like he was a better surfer at the end of two weeks than I've ever seen anybody else ever be. He learned faster than anybody, but he still left as an adult beginner, you know, like yeah. or adult learner. Um, Surfing is very, very hard. Oh God. It's so hard. Dude. If you have to learn when you're an adult, you're always going to be a kook. Basically. And I, I still regress, you know, like there's sessions I have where I'm like, wow, 
that was pathetic. <laughs> like, I feel like I am a beginner still. Um, so, yeah. but I thought that was really interesting. And it was before Tim Ferriss was even, like, Tim Ferriss. Right. Um, my, my Duke is Bill Delaney. Oh! Producer, director of yeah. Free Ride. Passed away on February 11th. Um, he was at the young. age of 72. Oh, 72? That's still pretty damn young. It is, yeah. Um, I watched a great Matt Warshaw encyclope- Encyclopedia of Surfing video. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. The Ira Opera interview with Bill Delaney? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like seven minutes long. Yep. And by the way, Warshaw sends out a Sunday joint every Sunday, yeah. a newsletter. If you're on, subscribe to the Encyclopedia of Surfing, eos.surf. It's three bucks a month to have access to all of that information and he does a great job i like that sunday night thing it's just a little taste of like oh i haven't checked in for a while on the encyclopedia oh here's a little reminder of what's going on by the way if you haven't subscribed to the encyclopedia surfing you're stupid and you're actually hindering our sport you're blowing it like it's so good the encyclopedia the amount of content that matt has is incredible first of all i do all my research the amount of tedious work involved for matt yeah Nobody else would step up and do it. Yeah. Like he's, he is a just saint to put together those, those videos. Like the stuff he, I think yeah. he all week long he works all week he long does. to put out that Sunday newsletter. He works more than forty hours a week on the Encyclopedia of Surfing. Yeah. Well, at any rate, Bill Delaney, um, director producer of Free Ride, Sean Thompson said the film captured tube riding so the audience could really experience it for the first time. In other films, the camera was more of an observer. In Free Ride, the slow motion water photography put you inside the tube. He additionally said, Bill looked at surfing from a different viewpoint. Uh, He wanted to capture the spirit of friendship, of challenge, travel, courage, and youthful dreams. Not just what was going on during that period, right before the before the whole pro scene got started. So, uh, shout out Duke Bill Delaney. That's a good one. You got a coop? No, I don't I don't like talking shit about people. I do. I don't like just randomly calling out people as kooks because it's just It's not random. It's people who are kooks. <laughs> right, that's a good point. Oh, then I do have quite a few. <laughs> well, by the way, you invented the Duke and Coop concept. I know, but so I'm, you, I'm modifying it. It doesn't fit my spiritual program to just You've outgrown a, the kook concept. I kind of have. Can I mean, I, I fall back into it sometimes, which makes me the kook. Can I keep yes. playing kook? Yeah, Duke you can kook? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, proper kook. This was like uh, a week ago. I read this story. I think Michael Ciamarella on Stab posted it. Um, yesterday on the Gold Coast, a visiting American disappeared before or during a morning swim at Palm Beach. Frantic. His friends called the lifeguards to help locate their lost friend. When they called the Coast Guard, I'm sorry, the police, the lifeguards then called the Coast Guard and the police who sent boats and helicopters out into the lineup, into the ocean to look for this kid. That's when, about an hour later, they got a call about a man passed out in a phone booth. Police went and roused the man and discovered that he was the one who had gone missing in the water. Um, this guy apparently went out for a surf or went out for a swim, came back in without his friends knowing. He had had a considerable amount of alcohol the night before, so he went, found a phone booth. I don't know why he picked a phone booth, but passed out in the phone booth, and uh, they called the rescue mission off. I'm blown away they still have phone booths in Australia, number one. Great point. Number two, 
99.9% of the stories we see on the news are alcohol and drug related and they never even mention it. Like anything that happens that goes wrong that's bad is generally alcohol and drug related and oftentimes the news won't even bring it up. So I'm glad that they mentioned that this was alcohol related. Good. I am glad too. I think alcohol Number is a much bigger problem than the drugs even. It's yeah, the I mean hugest. like it's it depends on what the drugs are. Like meth, obviously, is yeah. problematic, and but it's like alcohol. I feel like gets a free pass a lot of the times. Totally I mean, we were does. listening, talking about that Sam Harris episode on Joe Rogan. Sam was kind of criticizing Joe's interview with Elon Musk and talking about, "Oh, you guys smoked a blunt on the air," and Joe goes, "We were drunk at that point. Nobody criticized the fact that we were drinking whiskey prior to that. They only criticized the blunt." Yeah, and I think Joe makes a salient point in that alcohol does so much more damage to your body than that blunt will. Absolutely. Not to mention the blunt or the marijuana has known medical, medicinal benefits, which could be argued. Scott's rolling his eyes. Yeah, I'm not, want me to... I'm not, no, I don't. Look, and I I'm agree. not advocating for it. I'm saying it's science. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Whereas so alcohol, is that bush right there. I mean, that everything. Bush doesn't. Yeah, all these plants have some form of medical. Whereas medicinal. alcohol, on the other hand, has zero added benefit. Only detrimental. Medicinally, if you all you have is whiskey and you need to like clean a wound or something, you can pour whiskey in it and it'll, the alcohol will clean that son of a bitch. That's a good point. So everything has medicinal qualities. That's why I rolled my eyes. It's like you just endorsed my whiskey intake. Now I, it's okay for me. You know what I mean? Like I mean, everything. You know, oxygen's got medicinal qualities. You know what I mean? Like everything. Bad qualities. Everything's got medicinal qualities. Yeah, I don't understand your point. My point is, is that. By the way, I'm pro-medicinal quality marijuana. CBD, non-psychoactive marijuana. I get it. I don't know what I'm against or what maybe I'm naive or ignorant about is the concept of, hey, I'm going to smoke some weed. I'm going to put some smoke into my lungs because it's going to help me medicinally. Well, newsflash, anytime you put (laughs) smoke in your lungs, it's bad for you. Never, ever good. So, you know, if you want to like, edibles eat some edibles or whatever and get high fine more power to you but it's you know being out of touch with reality is generally not good for you yeah if you're gonna do that go the whole way drop some acid go to the desert really yeah i mean do it right wow if you're gonna get spiritual let's go wow otherwise okay. just deal with reality huh yeah okay i didn't see this by the way i didn't kids, see this going that don't, way don't do this i really thought that you were going the opposite direction <laughs> yeah. but Okay, I will take you up on that. Yeah, you Joshua should. Tree, here I come. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to find you in a phone booth. <laughs> I'll find the one remaining phone booth. If one exists, it is in Joshua Tree, by the way. Bring one with you. And you have no cell reception. If you're there. eating acid out there, you'll find a phone booth, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> only, you will know, only you will know it exists. Can you envision a, least, a less comfortable way to sleep? A phone booth is like three feet by three feet. I mean, they're... There's well, no dude, when you're hammered drunk, you don't you don't care. That's a good point. This is my phone booth, actually. We're in my phone booth right now. People are What's coming up, to the house. Barry Han. Barry. What's happening? You guys uh, in your mobile studio. Barry Han here we get from in the a Surfing role, Heritage and Culture and we can't Center. Push the, pause the curator, up. he's peeking into the car, he's wondering what's going on. Thanks for hosting us though. I'm gonna be in there in a minute. Use don't bl- We're gonna come me. use your restroom too. Okay. All right. All right, Scott. So um, oh, I need to say this: you brought up Brad Gerlach. So I'm, I've had I got a backlog of pretty good. In, well, we're not sure if they're good podcasts or not. To be honest with you, ones with Xanadu. Perfect. 
which is kind of gnarly. Xanadu just, like, I, I'm going to tell listeners now, I probably should have reined him in. Like, as soon as I asked the first question, he was off and running. Oh, wow. And it was kind of hard to control him. But is it entertaining? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. You guys need to determine that. Okay. It's long. It's the longest one I've ever done. Huh. Two hours long. Okay. And it's just Xanadu just going off, like. And then, because Gerd told me like six months ago, like, dude, you got to interview Xanadu. You got to. And I was like, it's I don't a, know if I'm equipped for that. It's opinionated. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. And it, so it could be great from a podcast standpoint. Like, it could stir the pot pretty good. Okay. Then I did one with Steve Brom, who made the dinos, was a shaper for Dino and David Nueva and stuff back in the day. And that was really good. And then I did one with Clyde Beatty Jr., with. Anybody that knows anything about surf history knows Clyde Beatty Jr. was a big part of surfboard building, uh, the surfboard building industry here in California. So I'm excited about those ones coming okay. up soon. Awesome. Yeah. Every other Monday. More or less. More. Depending on when you're in Australia or not. <laughs> they have internet there. Um, oh, good. No, Monday is Thank your you. next scheduled. Yeah, the next one's Monday. Yeah, yeah. it'll be with Xanadu. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Um so thanks again, neatessentials.com, spyoptic.com, promo code podcast. Scott, any boardroom show updates? Wow, we're going to have an evening, Friday evening before the board show at the Del Mar Plaza live with music, three slideshows with Steve Sherman, Don Balch, and um, Shaq here, the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center's Follow the Light Foundation. Which they're reigniting. Yeah, which is part of no Larry Moore and his, Larry's ex, um, not a uh, widow. Is doing the follow. So we're gonna have three slideshows this evening at the Delmar Plaza, overlooking 15th Street, overlooking the ocean. It's beautiful, and two short video clips, movie clips. One Dana Brown's new movie, based based generally on the Dana Point Mafia, and Spoons, a Santa Barbara story. They're gonna do a 10 minute clip too, which is gonna have a lot of Wayne Lynch in it. And so, um, and then the shapers for the Wayne Lynch shape off. Um, right now, they are Ryan Birch, Daniel Thompson, Shima Buttonshaw, Travis Reynolds, John Opito from New Jersey, Jordan Brazy from Virginia Beach, and Sam Hawk. Amazing. And we got one more spot that we're filling. John Opito's label is Rosburn. Yes. And uh, Jordan Ships for Wave Riding Vehicles. Yeah. And his own label as well. Yep. Awesome. Sounds like yeah. an awesome event. And that is May. And we've got some insane seminars lined up this year too. Really wow. good seminars. One with Ian Walsh about big wave surfing and big wave treachery. Uh, one with the Dana Point Mafia guys, Dana Brown and his film, those people. One called Shaping an Industry with Bing Copeland, Peter Town, and some other people. Um, one with... Um, the West Coast Board Riders Clubs, which are really starting to take off I'm with Darren Brillhart yeah. and Don Meek and Chris Morrow, some of those guys. So that West Coast Board Riders Club is going to be cool, right? It's just a bunch of regional competitions. Yep. And some other cool ones. Of course, a Q&A with Wayne Lynch. So we've got some really great seminars and panels and Q&As lined up for the boardroom this year. What's the dates? May 4th and 5th, the Delmar Del Fairgrounds. Fairgrounds. Yeah, boardroomshow.com. Right, get out here. Whoever's not in Southern California, get out here for the biggest surfboard industry trade show. Yeah, it should be good. And hopefully we can get Kidman out here with some of his edge boards. I know Andrini would be stoked to wrap up. That I mean, that whole, yeah. Yeah. I, 
We'll see. He's a low key dude, but yeah. if he could make it, that'd be insane. Exactly. Yeah. All right, spitpodcast.com, Scott. What about the Spit Instagram? What? Instagram? <laughs> Does that even exist? Yeah, at Spit Podcast. Funny. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. And you can get a hold of at Boardroom at Boardroom Show is the Instagram for for me and the Boardroom Podcast. Awesome. Mine's at Surf Splendor. Until next time, Scott. Adios and aloha. Come on.